Hi, everybody. Welcome to The Inside Job with your hosts, Jess and John. Welcome back, everybody, to episode eight of The Inside Job. We are here with Jerry Harper, the founder of One Speed Athletes. I'm here with my co-host, Jess. How are you, Jess? How are you, Jerry? What's happening, guys? Feeling really good today. I'm really excited to be joined by Jerry as... Everyone I'm sure knows by now I'm really involved in the sports performance world. I'm fascinated by it. I've always played sports. I know Jerry feels very passionate about it as well and really excited to hear from him today and learn from him about why kids should be in sports, about why training youth matters, about the differences between just playing exercise and sports performance, and the benefits of proper running form and teaching kids how to move properly from a young age so they can excel in their sports or just life in general as they progress. So a lot of topics we'll be covering today in that sports performance realm. So sit back, enjoy the episode, and we're going to go ahead and uh, drill Jerry on some good topics today. Right. Jerry, let, uh, tell us about yourself. How did you get here? What's your background with coaching? Why are you passionate about this? Uh, so my background, I um, grew up in San Diego um, playing all sports. Um, I have a big family. I'm one of five. So we all had our own sport. Me being the youngest, I was football, basketball, and track. Two years, my older brother, he was football, basketball, and track. Uh, two years after that is twins, tr- uh, track and cross country and wrestling. And then my sister, she did cheer for like one year and then she got into like academics. But I uh, grew up playing sports my whole life. Um, playing football ultimately was my main sport. Um, went to Santa Fe Christian and then got the opportunity to play college football at Ohio Wesleyan in Columbus, Ohio. So went off into the Midwest and left sunny California for the first time. <laughs> A great experience, but very cold. <laughs> um, uh, and then after college, came back home, back to California, because I couldn't stay out in Ohio. Great place, loved it, but it wasn't meant for me to stay there for the rest of my life. Um, but as soon as I got home, I uh, just wanted to be involved with sports as long as possible. I knew I wasn't going to go to the next level of being a professional athlete. Um, so the only way to stay in that was either physical therapy, personal training, performance training. And I chose the performance training route because of one coach that I had in high school. His name is Ryan Flaherty. He happens to be the uh, director of performance at Nike. Uh, he was my strength coach in high school, my freshman and sophomore year. Um, and just watching him, watching his lifestyle, the athlete that he was, the athletes that he was around, and the coaching and the training, I knew then that I wanted to do something like that. Uh, once I got done with my playing career. So that's when I started One Speed Athletes uh, when I got back home. Beautiful. I can't imagine what that was like for your parents dropping off five kids at numerous different sport practices growing up. I'm not sure how parents do it. I'm still amazed by it every single day. But that's great. You had the opportunity to go on further past high school and play sports and do what you love still. So in terms of your company, One Speed Athletes, at what point did you realize, like, this is what I want to do and this is what I'm good at? How did that come about? How did starting your company come about? Uh, came about with, I mean, again, not having the opportunity to go further in the professional right. career. Um, so I wanted to be involved as much as possible um, with helping the youth and younger. Um, even though I'm not old, I don't consider myself older or old guy, but I think I'm of age to pass down to the younger generation. That's what I'm very passionate about, of helping them achieve um, more and above and beyond of what I did. And that's how I kind of started the business and performance training, especially in speed training um, with the younger kids, just because I feel like that's a, a gap in the performance world that's not really uh, filled yet in speed and performance specifically, because right. um, everyone knows speed kills. So I thought I'd step into that hole and try to fill that as fast as possible before somebody else does. 
That's a good point too, because we've all played sports with those athletes who necessarily weren't so gifted in terms of the actual mechanics, right, in the technical part of the sports, but they were really fast. I can name numerous people in my head right now I played soccer with who didn't have great ball control, didn't have great, you know, skill and can able to see the field, but they were so fast. Mm-hmm. And that speed really, it, it compensates, right? If you have speed, you have that extra one up. So yeah, Jerry, tell us about your company. What is One Speed Athletes? What do you do with the kids? Uh, so One Speed Athletes is a speed and performance uh, training. Uh, typically gravitate towards more of the youth in high school um, and college. Um, not that I stay away from the professional athletes, but uh, I mean, it is great to have a, to train a professional athlete, but uh, with the youth in high school and college, it's again, my passion to seeing them grow. And if I get them at that age, I get to watch them develop and grow and help them achieve things that maybe they thought they never could do. Um, but again, having the pro- professional athlete would be cool. Like, oh, sweet. I'm training Saquon Barkley or Marcus Mariota or something like that. That's just cool to do. Uh, One Speed Athletes is training to help kids develop speed because speed can be trained. People think you're born with it. I mean, some people are, yes, but it also can be trained as well uh, just through mechanics and just learning how to run, which a lot of kids don't know how to run. Uh, One thing that I got from Ryan Flaherty when I was, I interned for him during combine training in 2019. And one thing that I'd learned from him, uh, he said a while back was, um, if you were to take a, if you're a water polo coach and you brought a team together, what's the first thing that you're going to teach them to do before they even pick up a ball, swim. teach them how to swim. So, so with land sports and all sports on the ground outside of water in some capacity, you're running. And so if you teach a kid how to run or develop the running speed and sprint mechanics early, you can always teach them the skills of that sport later on, where you can't do the opposite as well. Right. Just because, I mean, age injuries you want to prevent that stuff happening before it comes to that point you want to be in a preventative state not a reactive state um so teaching kids how to run early is so the what, best what thing. is early what age or like would be ideal so we have parents out there listening mm-hmm. they want their kid to be the fastest um you know what what would, what would you recommend when uh, i'd recommend starts? um around the middle school age i mean they're all the number the actual age is all jumbled in my head but around the middle school time of teaching kids or at least getting them understanding the mechanics of sprinting and just balance and hand-eye coordination is a big thing um one thing i got that from was when i was in middle school our pe teacher before every single class would have us come 10 minutes early and give us tennis balls to juggle and as a kid i'm like why am i learning how to juggle this is the weirdest thing ever but now that i'm older i understand the concept of oh he's teaching me hand-eye coordination not just the cool factor that I can juggle balls now that I can when I'm playing my sport that would be basketball lacrosse whatever sport that incorporates a ball I have the hand-eye coordination just because I learned that at such a young age and the younger you learn it the longer it lasts in your life right and those those skills are basic priming you know coordinational skills like you know your balance is central and so learning juggling it's not just the act act of throwing balls in the air, right? It's that mind-body connection, which serves as one of the biggest primers for movement. And that's the problem with so many coaches in the field today is there's no priming for children, right? We, they don't do enough prehab. They don't do enough mind-body connection stuff to set these kids up to have better foot-eye coordination, to have better hand-eye coordination. And Jerry, I'm stoked that you develop athletes so well at a young age because everybody remembers their favorite coach, their favorite teacher. That person's always so influential in their lives and these kids that you're training are going to remember you and go on to do great things and you get to serve as that foundational piece, which is it's really powerful. So in terms of young athletes, how do you enjoy training them? Do you prefer young athletes over older ones? Do you feel like you can mold their minds and bodies a little bit better? How, what, what's been your experience with the younger ones? Uh, the younger ones, 
it was great. It's awesome just seeing the joy on their face of doing something they'd never done before or doing something that they thought they never could do and just seeing the development process of having them do something, they train, and then they do that same thing again but better, and then they see the results, and you can see it on their face of like, oh, wow, like I didn't think I can do that or I didn't think I was fast. Um, but just, again, enjoying the process of watching them grow through that sport or through that activity, whatever the case may be, um, and just watching them develop as athletes and as young men and women. Um, that's another thing with One Speed um, that I kind of instill into the kids that sports and athletics is like a snap in your life. What I want to develop in your life, yes, to get you to whatever professional level or high school um, if you get to that level, that's awesome. But again, that's only a smidget of your life. Your life carry on after that. So the stuff that you learn in sports, in training, definitely incorporates later on in life. Once you're done with your career, hanging up the cleats, putting away the baseball bat, right. putting the gloves back in the carrier. I imagine a lot of confidence, too, and that you would see from day one to where they are at, mm-hmm. you know, at finishing the program. of, And that, just as you were saying, that carries right over into their high school, college, adult life things that they want to accomplish. Mm-hmm. That's pretty awesome. And these character building skills that sports deliver to children is super essential. We were talking before we started recording the podcast about the difference in children who play team sports or play sports in general and the ones who don't. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like it's really it's really hard to mock or repeat the skills that you learn in sports with anything else in life. I mean, you 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 need to learn how to work as a team. That goes for developmentally in school, professionally, mm-hmm. right? You know, with yeah. your own children. It's there's so many skills these kids need to acquire in sport. So parents, if I were to give you one piece of advice, and I'm sure Jerry agrees too, put your kids in sports. Yes. Some of them are gonna be more inclined to play instruments, and that is beautiful. That's creative and artistic. But I think kids need sports at an early age. What are your thoughts on that, Jerry? I couldn't agree more. Uh, the stuff that you learn in sports and just the influence that a coach has in a kid's life like yes I have my mom that I talk to and things like that but like there's just something that a coach provides that your parents can't provide I know there's some things that I can talk to my parents with and I don't feel comfortable talking to my parents with but I'd rather feel more comfortable talking to my coach and that's no disrespect to the parents at all but again something with sports the community the the team aspect um, the stuff that you learn through sports you don't necessarily get that in the household or it can't be replicated in the household like um, I mean overcoming adverse I mean yes you can ov- there's adversity in the household and whatnot but just overcoming that adversity and having the community behind you uh, being a good sport not only in athletics but also carries over into after your sports are done into the real world and also just learning sportsmanship of learning how to play the game correctly being respectful um, and just many things beyond that that you can't necessarily make or create at home mm-hmm. couldn't agree more <clears throat> excuse me and then you know I'm sure that you encounter a lot of coaches that aren't exactly being the best role models and I know mm-hmm. I've coached my kids uh, teams growing up and, and just watching some of the other parents get involved I'm like hey it's just a rec league man chill out <laughs> yeah. but um, but that's got to be frustrating for you to see and so how do you as a coach try to like instill um you know, good work ethic with the kids and, you know, try to inspire them to be better athletes and then do it in a way that they can take that lesson learned and apply it to other things going on in their life other than the team. Um, One thing that I try to make sure I know is that that the athlete or the kid wants it as well, not just the parents. That's what the society has turned into, that 
the parents want the kids to do this, this, and that. And I talk to the kid or I'm training with the kid and I can clearly see by his effort and actions that he's not really bought into it as much. And then sometimes I can get that out of the kid once he sees, again, the development in the process. Sometimes I don't, but that's one thing I try to get across the kids of like, hey, you want to get better? Yes. Oh, blah, 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 this and that. Um, what you put into it is what you're going to get out of it. I'm only going to go and train and do this program as much as you give me. I'm not going to force you to do anything because I'm not in your shoes. Um, I've been there, done that, and I want you to succeed and get to the best of your ability. So I try to get these kids to understand that what you put into it is what you're going to get out of it. If you want to get better, come to practice, come to training, ready to go. Don't lollygag because I don't want to waste my time and I for sure don't want to waste your time and obviously your parents' money because you can't pay for it. Right. <laughs> so I don't want to waste the parents' money and yeah. their time and effort of wanting their child or seeing their child or wanting their child to succeed in that sport. Right, and you, uh, the ideal athlete, right, or is someone who's going to match your effort or exceed it, which is mm-hmm. you know, not as common, but very ideal. So having athletes that want that want to be there, and you can feel that when they want to be there, when they're just you know there to pick bugs in the grass, there, there's a big difference, right? <laughs> yeah. The ones who succeed are either the ones who have raw talent, or the ones who have a really high work ethic, and mm-hmm. probably attributed to you know the character building that you're doing with them. So I think it, yeah, it's essential to teach these youth that having a healthy athletic career is going to be pivotal right and they're moving forward yeah jerry what do you think are your top few ways you teach these kids to have a healthy athletic career like through prehab exercises or mindset like what are your biggest tools in the toolbox that you use with these kids uh so one of the main things that i use again it's like hand-eye coordination um balance and also injury prevention so something that i start off with everyone i don't care if you're a youth or a professional athlete you're still going through the same process of the injury prevention that i do of jumping and landing mechanics mm-hmm. because everyone knows getting injured you don't get injured jumping in the air like you never hear somebody say oh i rolled my ankle how'd you do it i jumped off the ground like what that doesn't make any sense mm-hmm. so like landing on the ground is the most important thing and being on one leg at a time is the most important thing because everything that you do, you're on one leg at a time. There's no sport that you play that you're on both legs besides, I think, golf. And you're not really running in golf unless you don't have a cart and you're running. And that's not even a real sport. <laughs> <laughs> All your sports, you're on one leg at a time. And having uh, the strength and stability on one foot and ankles, knees, and hips. Um, so the jumping and landing mechanics I really focus on in pretty much half of the first session just so the kids learn how to run i mean not learn how to run learn how to jump learn how to land properly to prevent injury and i always warn them i'm like hey this is going to be slow it's going to seem annoying and be like why am i here mm-hmm. but i promise you in the long run if you build this foundation now the more pieces you can build on top that's where the skills come into play that's where the speed and stuff comes into play so just working on the um injury prevention things is what i focus on a lot with the younger and also professional athletes as well uh, preventing Obviously, the number one injury that no one wants to get is the ACL. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do it more with girls rather than guys, or at least I'm more, um, I wouldn't say more intentional, but I make it more, I guess, re- relevant is a word. Mm-hmm. With girls, just because the bone structure of women, they have wider hips and their femur bone typically comes in at an angle. So how they land, their knees automatically cave in. So I'm more... Um, conscious of watching them jump and land on one leg and land on two feet so to let them know like hey you're doing this wrong and i get it you're not doing it on purpose it's just your bone structure but try to be conscious of how you hit the ground because i want you to play your sport for a long time not i don't care how high you go in the sport i don't care how professional you go i just want you to play 
for the rest of your life. And doing these things to prevent that injury from happening to potentially take you out for the rest of your life can be that. I think it's great you're teaching the why for these athletes because a lot of times coaches will teach the what and the how, like what we're doing and how we're doing it. But Mm -hmm. knowing the why is really relevant and, you know, being willing, like mentally willing to partake in these activities that seem mundane or boring. Mm -hmm. It's funny you said that about like learning proper landing mechanics. I used to work at UCSD in their sports performance and athletes hated doing their landing mechanics, their depth drops and all those things, right? It's boring. Mm -hmm. You're leading off with one foot, you're landing. It's the same thing over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. But not to be, you know, who cares what they think? They don't yeah. know what it's, if they don't want to listen to why they're doing that, that's fine, but you're going to be a lot healthier mm-hmm. in the long run. So sometimes these boring, lesson here is sometimes these boring things that, you know, you don't want to do are things you have to do most because they're going to take care of you the longest. Yeah. What kind of time commitment is are, are these, are you expecting if someone's going to come to your facility and, and train with you? And like, is this a couple times a week? Or is this practices that they need to do every day? Or how, how does that look for, for someone that wanted to come join and, and run Be Faster and, Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's typically a couple times a week. That's when you actually see like change in results. Mm-hmm. And I do give them stuff that they can do at home when they're not with me. So um, bands and balance things that they can do at home that doesn't necessarily need me to do, or they can do on their own with any without any supervision. But typically two to three times a week of this type of training is when you'll see results. Um, in a couple weeks, typically three to six weeks is when you'll begin to see minute changes in running form, uh, sprinting landing, jumping, uh, everything sprint mechanics related. And Jerry, how did you learn proper sprint mechanics and running form? How are you able to teach those kids? Uh, so I learned it from again, Ryan Flaherty. Right. Um, not personally like talking to him. I watched him from the backdrop and just looked at the things that he's did and I had the opportunity of interning for him uh, when he was uh, doing the combine training in 2019 and talking about this and that of the third and fourth step and learning how to run and don't overstride because you're hamstring and push, push, push and then accelerate, take off like airplane. There's so much stuff that I can just ramble on about. Um, but that's where I learned majority of it from. And just also reading books um, about speed training and mechanics. And again, the perks of being an athlete myself, I know what it feels like. So when I do talk to an athlete about it, it's like, I've done it before, so what I'm explaining to you is not that I've never done it myself. That's another thing that I kind of talk to my kids about. I won't let them, I won't have them do anything that I've never done myself, mm-hmm. or at least trained with somebody else with, so they're not going into it clueless or not trusting me because I haven't done it. And that's one thing that like bothers me in the sports world of like coaches or like announcers or commentators are talking about some sport, especially football. Uh, this and that, like, oh, this player should have did this. And then, you know, the commentator never played the sport in his life. So, like, you have no idea what he's thinking about or no idea what to do in that situation because you've never experienced it. Obviously, you maybe watched it and studied it, but that can only do so much. Uh, you have to actually experience it yourself so you can get a glimpse of what that athlete is feeling in the moment. Right. And have you had a lot of really good quantifiable results with your athletes, like actually seeing their 40 times go down? Mm-hmm. Have, you, yeah. have you seen a lot of uh, that? There's one kid that I'm training, or still training. We're in season now. He plays football at Santa Fe. Um, I started with him when he was a freshman and working with him for four years. And now he actually set the school record for the 200. Nice. And seeing him is 40 time dropping. Um, I use uh, a, a timer, electric electronic timer. So we test every couple weeks on certain certain things of acceleration, uh, split times and whatnot. So they actually see the results as they're going along rather than 
waiting from beginning to the end because just because also parents want to see what they're paying right. for right. Um, but speed training is something that takes time which I tell the kids to um, it's not a quick fix you're not going to see results in two weeks or whatever like you need to do this consistency consistently um, to see the results that you want and be actually um, purposeful with the actions like when I'm telling a kid to sprint and they run I'm like I know you're not sprinting because I've seen you run faster than that before in order to get fast or be faster get faster you have to do everything at maximum effort you can't put 20 percent in and expect 100 as i tell the kids all the time do you work with them at all around like nutrition or anything on that aspect mm-hmm. a little bit i'm not a nutritionist by any means i know the basics of things of hydration and just what to eat what not to eat um, how to prepare for games and events and recovery but in terms of nutritionists and the nitty-gritty and all that that's above my pay grade (laughs) (laughs) and I feel like exactly I feel like with kids too it's so hard to control exactly at that age because the parents really need to be the ones who are involved the most and they're you know because they're providing typically speaking for the kids so that would have to be a full-on full-on convention essentially with the parents and Mm -hmm. students in one room to understand like what needs to be provided before and after games to be ready in different kind of scenarios there Um, with speed coaching or sorry with with developing speed in general Derry do you feel it's necessary to have a speed and performance coach to become faster or can that happen without any training? Does that naturally happen for kids as they progress through sport or do you feel like they need a speed and performance coach to get faster? Um, depending on your sport, it can naturally happen. Um, the demands of your sport, so like lacrosse or track and field, um, you can get faster, but there's a ceiling to that to where a coach can get you past that plateau or break you through that ceiling. And if you don't have a coach or um, – can't get a coach, I would encourage um, the coaches to like carve out time to have that in their training so the kids learn how to run because, again, speed kills. No no coach wants a slow wide receiver or a slow running back or whatever. Because like I mentioned before, um, you can always train those skills in a kid. Like for me, funny story in high school, I was, I was a fast kid in high school, and I wanted to play lacrosse, but I've never played lacrosse before in my life. And then the coach is like, I want you on the team. I don't care if you never picked up a stick in your life. I just want you because you're fast on the field. I'll teach you the skills. So that clicked in my mind of, hmm, I don't have to necessarily know the skills right now. I can always learn that. But mm-hmm. having that developed speed early can give me the opportunity to do these things. I like playing lacrosse. but I didn't play, but I ran track. I wanted to play lacrosse, so I think it's a sweet yeah. sport. Right. So for, for parents out there listening – if you're looking for your kid to become more competitive and to obviously gain speed in their sport, because that's typically necessary, Jerry, would you say hiring a coach is one of the best things you can do for your child? Yeah, hiring a coach is a great thing you can do. Uh, again, teaching them how to run, um, injury prevention, having them or giving them opportunity to have a long-lasting career, because um, no one wants to get hurt. I mean, I got hurt, and it sucks, <laughs> but uh, to prevent that as best as possible, not that. We're bulletproof. I'm not. I'm not a bulletproof coach saying you're gonna do this and you're never gonna hurt in your life. Accidents happen, injuries happen, but um, having a speed coach or a performance coach in some way can help prevent that process of getting injured happen. Right. If and if you were to tell us your your, I guess top three. They're not even. They're not tips or tricks. Tips or tricks are things that happen easily, and this is something <laughs> that takes a lot of discipline. Mm-hmm. But what are your three methods in increasing speed? Like, what are your top few? Like, this is how we get faster. What are you doing with those kids to increase their speed on the field? Like what kind of training are you taking them through? 
Uh, so a lot of the training is mechanics of knowing literally mechanics of how to run and like where to step, how your leg moves. Um, Can you doing that. Like, like super specific on that? Like, oh, or super I mean, specific? maybe that's just hard to do yeah. over uh, describing it. I don't mm-hmm. even know if that's possible. Okay. Um, so like, for example, if, uh, like with running, so your leg creates a cycle, your foot creates a circle. And my job, I want to get that circle as big as possible, obviously, um, in relation to the size of your body. I want that circle to happen as big as possible. So, for example, if I took a tennis ball and a volleyball and I, get, and I rolled it just one revolution, I rolled the volleyball one revolution, it's both one revolution, but which one is further? The volleyball, because right. it's bigger. So right. the same thing with sprinting, I want to get your steps bigger obviously in relation to your body. And then after that, I incorporate more things of getting the um, repetition faster. So eliminating wasted movement is another thing that I do a lot, getting you from point A to point B faster, because a lot of kids, you'll see them crossing their body, Mm -hmm. taking steps that they don't need to take. Um, Another example I use with the kids is like, if we both run 20 miles an hour and my steps are three feet and yours are two and a half, who's winning the race? Me, because my steps are three feet, because I'm being efficient with my steps, not... Mm -hmm wasting my steps so definitely wasting movement and just teaching the kids how to run mechanically wise so i do a lot of wall drills and everything really slow so the muscle and mind the mind and muscle connectivity actually remembers these movements and patterns so when it comes to the games and events you're not thinking of oh i gotta lift my foot here and i gotta step and down you've done it so many times that it's automatic so when it comes to the game time you're not even thinking and before you know it you're running past everyone else what's a wall drill Oh, I'm going to show you. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry wants to get up right now yeah. and sprint in this little yeah. office. Exactly. I mean, I wall drills is like you're literally on a wall and you're yeah. doing you're hitting angles of sprinting. So like top end speed, you want your hip at 90, uh, knee small, smaller than 90, ankles at 90. And then uh, just hitting those angles, again, mm-hmm. very slow and very repetitive. Mm-hmm. That's what speed training is. You have to do it a lot where it gets to like annoying. Okay. Um, and then when it comes to relation to the actual game, you don't know so you don't necessarily have to think anymore it's right. I, I remember this and it's just automatic that i'm running boom mm-hmm. boom 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 putting my foot down as fast as possible and that's another thing actually um is getting back down to the ground that's a big thing in terms of sprinting um is I always ask the kids every single time if one by one to matter if it's one or 20 kids I might ask them can you fly they're like no i'm like can you fly can you fly can you fly i'm like no Sweet. None of us can fly. As humans, in order for us to get from point A to point B, we have to be on the ground. So the faster we get to the ground, the faster we can push off the ground and get to point B. So just the mechanics of getting back down to the ground quick, but not also um, neglecting the range of motion. So I always say technique over speed. Master the technique, speed, and all that other stuff will come into play. You're making me regret not having a speed coach. It's true, though. I mean, I mean, it's never too late. It's, you know, you're right. You're absolutely right. Just in track, I think most of you know people who, not most people, but if you had a sport that was allowed for track and field to be in your off season, mm-hmm. that's what most people did because it was a fun thing to partake in, and there was an event for everyone. I remember, I, like in my in my 100, you know, my first 30 meters, my acceleration, John. I don't know if you like. There's like acceleration and a top end speed. Your acceleration is like anywhere between zero and 30 meters typically mm-hmm. correct me if i'm wrong jerry yeah and then after that it's your top end speed right so being able mm-hmm. to maintain that speed for a long time it's like skydiving mm-hmm. you're accelerating and all of a sudden you stop accelerating and you're kind of at that terminal that... velocity we call yes, it yes yeah. yeah that's velocity. exactly right velocity <laughs> exactly. exactly 
So it's that top end speed that kills people typically, right? Because a lot of mm-hmm. people can get out quickly. They can force produce because they're strong mm-hmm. and naturally athletic. But it's that top end speed that needs work for so many athletes. Mm-hmm. And if you can all hire someone like Jerry, you'd be a lot better <laughs> off because that's what people suffer, right? And that's yeah. a huge detriment in sport. I would imagine with the, you know, you're talking about longer stride. So flexibility, I would think, is like, do you work a lot around mm-hmm. that? Like just yeah, making that stride longer? Yeah, flexibility comes into play, but it's more of strength because you push. A lot of people think of reaching. So when you run, you want to strike underneath the hip and not in front because if you step out in front, you put your hamstring at risk and taking the load of your body weight. That's where hamstrings typically happen. People overstride and they land on their heel. Your heel is a breaking force, not a pushing force. Um, so when you run at the top end speed, you want to strike underneath the hip to push. There's something, again, that I do with the kids. I always have them put their foot in front of their body, in front of their hip or center of mass, and I tell them to push their body forward with that foot. And they're like, oh, I can't do it. And I'm like, because you're not under your center of mass to push your body forward. So when you're sprinting, getting down to the ground, straight down as fast as possible to propel your body forward. You can't propel your body forward if you're pushing if your foot is in front of your body breaking essentially Mm -hmm. you can't break and sprint at the same time so it's one or the other and i feel like that concept makes sense to people because you know if you have something around you right now you can pick it up and hold it out in front of you it's a lot harder to hold some it's a lot harder to hold something in front of you than it is at your chest right your body wants to be close to its Mm -hmm. center of gravity i'm trying to think of another example Oh, for example, like if you're doing a, you know, a deadlift and you have the barbell really far from your legs, yeah. you're putting your back at a high risk, right? Because that, mm-hmm. that object you're carrying is really far away from where, like the origin of where it's meant to be. Mm-hmm. So same thing with running. Your body wants to be in a power position when you're jumping, right, yeah. Jerry? Your exactly. feet underneath your hips is ideal. You can't, not wide, but right underneath your hips narrow. Mm-hmm. That way you have that power position. It's so essential. And these little tips are huge in learning basic mm-hmm. jumping and running mechanics and mm-hmm. I'm just happy people like Jerry exist so they can <laughs> help these, you know, coming athletes and developing them as they go. Yeah, what else are you working with, with the kids, like, to, to help improve? I mean, mm-hmm. um, Outside of, like, sprint training, again, mm-hmm. hand-eye coordination. So I typically always end the session with tennis ball drills of catching the ball. So I'll say you got to catch 10. I'm not going to throw 10. You have to catch 10 to finish this all. With the right hand, left hand, two hands, I'll throw two at the same time. They'll spin around and catch it just because all this stuff plays into – later in life again after your sports career is over you still want hand-eye coordination so i'm throwing something at you want to be able to catch it me when i have kids i want to be able to play catch with my child one day i don't want to be that dad that's can't throw a football (laughs) i want to be able to be athletic with my son and actually show him and humble him up when it comes to that time of beating him in whatever he wants to compete in (laughs) nice so how would you say that uh, sports performance training is different than like a normal training like just random Mm -hmm. um so sports performance training is i mean it's kind of in the title like Mm -hmm. i'm training for the specific sport the demands of that sport whereas normal physical training is just overall health and well-being like i want to stay alive and you have some goals of losing weight gaining weight i want to be shredded look good cool that's awesome but the difference i would say is your training is more specific to the demands of your sport so football it's a lot of powerlifting and strength training whereas like swimming and other sports that are cardio based so the lifting is going to be different and just the movement of the lifting that you do you want to replicate what you do in the weight room the same thing that you do on the field so like golf rotation and uh with baseball all these shoulder exercises and with sport performance training the thing that's hard about it is typically everyone has a dominant and a non-dominant whereas in the regular fitness you're training both sides equally or whereas in the sports world like you want to try to train equally but you have to 
prioritize the dominant because that's what the athlete is actually performing on the field but you still want to train and get rid of the imbalances as much as possible so again when they're done with that sport they're as normal as possible Wow. That's that's a really good point. We yeah. often forget too about that one side thing is everyone's trying to eliminate these discrepancies, but mm-hmm. discrepancies in sports are what makes you great, right? If you have a pitchers, like they don't, there's yeah. no, if they're a left hand pitcher, they don't need to be, right? They don't need to be pushing the right side body as much. Yeah. It's just mm-hmm. that stuff makes sense. And training sports specific is fun, yeah, right? Because you're working on your craft, and mm-hmm. if you're good at your craft, it makes you want to keep doing it. It's those mm-hmm. positive feedback loops we always talk about. Mm-hmm. You're training hard, and you're seeing results. You want to keep training hard so you can see more results. Now you're in this cool loop, right? Yeah. Going round and round, and hopefully getting better and better as you go. So, Jerry, to, to wrap things up, mm-hmm. first of all, tell us how people can hire you and get in, or get in contact with you with One Speed Athletes to acquire some of your training. Um, so through social media, um, typically Instagram of one speed athletes and then via email uh, jerry at onespeedathletes.com that's the best way to contact me perfect do you take personal clients do you have do you do one-on-ones at group training tell mm-hmm. us what that looks like so i do one-on-one and group training uh, and teams camps a little bit of everything so i can please everybody perfect and jerry's also a i don't i think we said there's a high school football coach so i'm not sure what your free time looks like but mm-hmm. do you have time at the moment while you're in football to coaches or to train as well uh, during the football season, it's tough um, just because football takes up so much time. But once right. the football season is over, after the fall is when I dedicate all my time to one speed. It's just I can't can't give up football just yet. Maybe in the future down the road, I'll hang up the hang up my whistle as a coach, and then eventually come back when I'm like 65 or something like that. Uh, but at the moment, uh, during the fall season is a tough time for me in terms of training. I still do it; it's very limited and small availability. But once the season's over, my availability opens up. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then where where do you train? Like what would be the best ideal situation? Meeting your students or athletes places or how does that look? And so right now I don't have a facility that's in the future. Um, so I use um, just open parks and local community parks um, in the North County area. Uh, just meet there. I try to um, coordinate with the athlete of where they are because I have different locations. So I try to get closer to them so it's more convenient for the parent because typically the parents are dropping them off unless they're in high school and they can drive. Then I'm like, hey, you can come to me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But typically just local areas at parks to do the speed and agility training. And finally, Jerry, we ask all of our guests, what is it like to live zesty, to be zesty, to feel zesty? Uh, We define zest as a spark for life, this energy you wake up with, uh, your reason to thrive. And so how do you live zesty? Mm, how I live zesty um just having the everyday opportunity to impact a kid of the way that when I was growing up one coach impacted me so having that opportunity every day to be that coach in some kid's life nice that's awesome well thank you Jerry for being here today we appreciate your time and all the information you share with us if you have any questions you'd like to get in touch with Jerry please feel free to email him his information will be in our show notes Uh, If you can't find it, please call Jess or John or reach out to us. You guys know how to get a hold of us. And that's all we got. So you guys stay zesty. Stay zesty. Thanks, Jerry. No problem. Thanks for having me.